The Linux Reality Podcast is sponsored by O'Reilly Media, spreading the knowledge of innovators through its books, online services, magazines, and conferences. Visit them today at O'Reilly.com. Welcome back to Linux Reality. This is episode number 78, and my name is Chess Griffin. And actually, this episode is funny because I was actually planning, I was considering not doing one this week because things have just been crazy for me. I'm trying to get a ton of stuff done before I head out to Ohio Linux Fest uh, next week. And I'm recording this actually Tuesday uh, the 18th, and actually today is my birthday. Uh, I'm 39 today. And uh, I've got uh, some family events I've got to attend to this weekend out of town, so things are really busy. Uh, but I did want to get one out because I, I probably will uh, not have one next week unless one of these guest podcasts come through, in which case I might be able to get it out. But uh, So as it stands now, there won't be an episode next week. I do have a little episode this week. I'm going to talk about a kind of a, you know, a sort of variety of things. Uh, but most of it's going to be spent on talking about RSS readers, uh, a lot of different kinds of feed readers that, that you can use. It's not necessarily Linux-related. I mean, some of them are Linux applications, but some other things in regards to RSS readers. Uh, so that's kind of what we'll talk about this week. Uh did have some announcements, some things to talk about here up front. Uh, first thing is, um, the, of course, the Ohio Linux Fest. Uh, well, no, actually, before I get to that, did want to mention again the O'Reilly discount code, R-L-E-L-40. And the reason why I wanted to mention that is that O'Reilly very kindly has renewed um, their support of the podcast. They said the uh, response has been great. Uh, they've really you know, enjoyed having uh, the sort of the podcast on board and, and us being with them and all this kind of stuff. So it's, it's turned out to be a good thing. And I'm really excited about this. And I'm really excited that they're going to continue the sponsorship of the podcast. It's been fantastic. And the folks at O'Reilly have been very supportive. So uh, so please do show them um, our support. If you are considering buying an O'Reilly book, just use that discount code. You get 40% off, which is not, that's not bad at all. Um, but anyway, let's see, going back to the Ohio Linux Fest, just wanted to talk about this for a second. Just kind of remind everyone it's only 10 days away now. Uh, it's next weekend, the end of September. And uh, hopefully folks who are planning to go have already registered. It's it, it's free. It's a free registration, free, uh, free event. Uh, you can optionally... Uh, optionally, I should say, uh, pay a $60 registration, which just gets you like a t-shirt and a, you know, a couple drink things and, uh, just, you know, some extras, but that's not required. That's completely optional. It's certainly, uh, you can still register for free. That's not a problem. It's in Columbus, Ohio in the USA. I look forward to meeting a lot of people there. I think there's going to be a lot of listeners there and uh, not just this podcast, but the Linux link tech show and uh, Dave Yates, of course, is going to be there. So it'll be just a blast. And in fact, there's a lot of people from my lug. Uh, as I've mentioned before, I live here in Raleigh, North Carolina, the home of Red Hat, and we have a very large lug and there's a lot of Red Hat folks and a lot of other people. And there's caravans going up there. And I actually kind of wish now that uh, I'm kind of heading up with those guys, but I had some some extra uh, frequent flyer miles that I was about to lose, so I'm actually going to fly up there. Uh, but there's a ton of people from here going up there, which is kind of which is going to be very cool as well. 
Uh, so about the Ohio Linux Fest, there's going to be a Friday night event that's sort of organized by uh, uh, by the organizers of the conference and also I think the Linux Link Tech Show guys. It's going to be at a bar I think called Barley's, which apparently is very near the convention center or the hotel where everything is taking place. That's Friday night, sort of the kickoff thing. And then every, you know all the conferences and talks and everything and speeches are on Saturday. Uh, on Saturday, there's two other things I wanted to mention. One is um, one of the Linux Reality listeners, Edward, in the forums, has uh, decided to organize a GPG key signing party. And so there's a thread about that in the forum. So please do uh, check that out if you're interested in doing that. I'm going to definitely participate. It's really not a big deal. Basically, if you have your GPG key, you just run a little command, which will um, uh, give you the, your fingerprint, as they say. And then you can just save that to a text file and print it out. And essentially, you hand out copies of your fingerprint to people, show them your ID to prove who you are, and then later people can pull down your public key off a key server, check that it matches what they have in their hands from the piece of paper you gave them, and then they can sign your key and upload it back to the server. In a nutshell, that's the kind of the way it works. There are some links in the in the uh, forum thread about this. So anyway, we're going to have a GPG key signing party at some point on Saturday, maybe during uh, the lunch break, because uh, it will probably only take a couple minutes to do. And then sometime in the afternoon, I think around the 3 p.m. break, I've been tentatively scheduled to be interviewed. I shouldn't say tentatively. I think it's on um, by the uh, Northeast Ohio Open Source Society. So that's going to be very cool. I think they're going to do a little interview and maybe a little Q&A session. I'm not quite sure where that be, but I mean, they, they have a booth or a table at the conference. So I guess it will be there. So that'll be cool. So we've got a lot of really neat things uh, going on, and uh, I do have a lot of different uh, guest podcasts in the works, so I'm very excited about that. I've got a couple other interview ideas, so some people I'm going to get in touch with after the Ohio Linux Fest, and I'm hoping to have a, a sort of a recap, maybe one of the one of the first episodes back. I'm going to bring my little recorder with me and maybe record some things while I'm there. So, you know, we'll see how that turns out, and uh, certainly I'll be talking about it afterwards. So anyway, I think that's going to do it for this intro part. Let's talk about RSS readers. Okay, RSS readers. Well, if you didn't know, RSS, I think it stands for Really Simple Syndication. Uh, these are uh, news feed readers. Most sites these days um, have some kind of RSS feed or Atom feed or XML uh, feed that you can subscribe to with an RSS reader in order to just sort of view the new content of the website. And many tech websites, many news websites, blogs, you know, podcasts, they're all RSS feeds. I mean, I think most people know what these, what, what that is nowadays. And there's lots of different ways you can read RSS feeds. And so I've been sort of playing with a lot of them over the last several uh, months just for a variety of reasons. And I thought I'd kind of you know just spend a couple minutes. This is not a major topic, so it won't take very long. But I'll take a couple minutes to talk about some of these things. So I've broken them out into different categories. And I've actually got four different categories of, of uh, feed clients, feed readers. The first category is standalone clients. These are standalone um pieces of software that do essentially do nothing but uh, allow you to read feeds and they are, you know, feed readers, feed clients. And, uh, the, the one I use the most still my primary feed reader for the most part is Liferea. And I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a GTK two based application. And it's, so it's for uh, GNOME, although I use it in other window managers when I use open box or XFCE, 
I like Liferia for the most part. It's got basically all the features that I look for. The only gripe I have with it is I feel it's a little slow in refreshing feeds and things like that compared to other standalone clients. But it really has become a sort of the the uh, de facto uh, GTK um, client. So most people that use GNOME use Liferia, although there is another GTK standalone client, and that's the second application I'll talk about called Straw, which I think is actually part of the GNOME project. I think it's, a, it's an official part of GNOME, uh, but I haven't used it. I mean, I've used it, but uh, the nice thing about Straw is that it does have hooks for Network Manager. So if you use Network Manager to manage your network, uh, the way Straw works is it will use Network Manager to detect whether your network is up. And if it's up, then it will, of course, try to refresh feeds. But if it senses from Network Manager that the network is down, then it won't bother uh, trying. So that's kind of a nifty little feature. That's very cool because it is kind of annoying. Like, let's say you're on a laptop and you're not connected to the Internet to constantly have your feed reader or maybe your email client or whatever trying to check for something that's not there. So... Uh, so that's Liferia and Straw. A couple other standalone clients. One is called RSS Owl, and I've heard Dave Yates talk about this quite a bit, and I have played with it. It's a Java-based application, so uh, I, I think it's really cross-platform. I believe it will run on Windows, on OS X, on Linux, um, like because it is Java-based. So I think that uh, uh, does help. And when I used it, it was nice. I mean, it, it was fast. It did have a – I always like to have uh, notification – Taskbar applets. I really like to have things minimized into the little notification area, like for email checking and that sort of thing, where I don't have the application. I mean, it's still running, but it doesn't have it doesn't take up a space in the taskbar. It just when you minimize it, it goes down into the notification area, and I think it does have that as well, which is which is a nice feature. And so does Liferia and Straw. Uh, so RSS Owl is definitely one to check out, especially if you like to have sort of a consistent application across multiple operating systems because it is Java-based. It can run on different operating systems. Um, another one that I think is unfortunately dead, uh, a dead project, is called Blam, and I believe that was also a GTK Plus application. I remember using it several years ago and uh, and liking it, and it was back when Liferia was still, I think, around the 1.0 stage. Now it's, I think, at 1.4. And uh, it was pretty nice, but I do believe it's dead, unfortunately. But it's another one to check out. And then the last uh, standalone client that I'll mention is the one for KDE, Aggregator. And that's spelled A-K-R-E-G-A-T-O-R. So it's almost spelled Aggregator with a K. Um, And that is the main RSS feed reader for KDE. And when I've used KDE, that's what I've used. And so I'm fairly familiar with it. And it, it's fast. That's one thing I like about it. I really notice a huge difference in updating feeds when using Aggregator versus Liferia. Liferia is very slow, um, but Aggregator is much quicker. The only thing I don't like about it, um, and so I'm putting aside the GNOME versus KDE distinction, but the um, the colors of the up, of updating the feeds, it's like red or blue, and it's a kind of a garish red and a garish blue. Uh, in other words, new feeds I think are red, and then when you refresh them, they turn blue, or something like that. You know, it's the colors of the feeds to indicate that something is is new, and you can't change those colors unfortunately, and um, they're kind of. They're ugly colors to me, and that's so that's kind of annoying. I don't think you can change the colors in other applications either, but uh, they may have better defaults. So that's a nitpick, but and it's a subjective thing. But that's at least for me, that's the one turn off to aggregator. But otherwise, it really is a great RSS reader. 
Uh, okay, so the second batch of, of RSS clients, if you will, and I've just got a couple here, are um, these are these are things you can use with email clients. And so you might, you know, you might have an email application or, a, or an email client that you also want to use to read feeds. And there's a lot of them out there, but the two main ones that I thought I'd mention is one is for Thunderbird and it's a plugin called Sage. And, um, I, I'm sorry, that's for Firefox. And what that will do in Firefox is it will let you, uh, subscribe to feeds. You'll have a sidebar with all your feeds. And so from within Firefox, you can have your, you know, a feed reader in the sidebar. There is a plugin also for Thunderbird, and I forget which one that is. And maybe it's th- maybe now Thunderbird 2 has native support for RSS feeds. I can't remember. But you can, again, use Thunderbird to also um, read RSS feeds. But the other one I was going to mention that I've also used, that I know a lot of people who use, is, is excuse me, there's, a, there's a, a plugin for Evolution, and it's called Evolution-RSS. And it lets you subscribe to RSS feeds within Evolution. So I know a lot of people use Evolution. It's a great email client. And if you uh, do that, you can also use this Evolution-RSS plugin and subscribe to feeds directly from within Evolution. Okay, the uh, third uh, sort of group is uh, uh, web-based clients. And the nice thing about web-based clients, and this is probably the way I'm leaning towards, I mean, I've been using these a lot lately and, and... like a lot of people, I find that my stuff is kind of moving to the web. The nice thing about web-based RSS clients is that it's in one place and it stays synchronized. The biggest pet peeve I've had, especially when I've used Sage, which I've used Sage for years with Firefox, um, is that it, you know, I have it on my work computer, I have it on my home computer, and they don't stay synchronized. So when I refresh my feeds um, at home versus at work, you know, I get the same things over again. I get duplicates. So with a web-based um, RSS reader, that's not a, a problem. And probably the biggest ones, at least the ones that I see most in my referral logs on my websites, is is the first one is Google Reader, and this is the one I've been using uh, that Google has. It's a, it's one of their beta apps out of Google Labs or something. Um, but if you go to google.com slash reader, you can if you have a Gmail account or a Google account, you can subscribe to RSS feeds, and it's great. And it's your typical... Google slash, you know, Gmail looking interface. Um, there's also blog lines. And I remember using blog lines many years ago when I first started kind of subscribing to RSS feeds. So I haven't checked it out lately. I know they're, they're beta testing a new layout, a new version of blog lines that a lot of people seem to like. Uh, but anyway, that's another well-known web-based uh, RSS reader. NetVibes and also my Yahoo. If you have a Yahoo account, you have a my Yahoo page. I think you can subscribe to RSS feeds through your my Yahoo account. I get lots of referrals through <laughs> my Yahoo. Uh, so those four web base, and there's many more, obviously there's tons of services out there now that will let you create an account for free usually and subscribe to RSS feeds. Um, I really like Google reader a lot. Um, uh, but you know, I, I like Google stuff for the most part. And so some people really like that type of interface and some people don't, but it seems to work pretty well. And then the last uh, sort of grouping that I thought I'd mention kind of fun that I've been using and I've been playing with, and these are your own personal server side feed readers. And what I mean by this is it's almost like you can create your own web-based um, service, you know, for subscribing to RSS feeds. And here's how it works. You may think back to those, the home server series, and this could have been something to talk about during that series, because what you can do, and this is something I've done on my server, is you can install some software that will essentially run an RSS grabber, you know, and it will be a web-based 
interface that you log in and you can view your feeds and you can obviously refresh them and, and as you read them they're marked as red and everything and so it's all in one place and just like with all these other services you can you know import opml you know um you know files if you've exported your feeds from something else in OP opml format you can import that and they're great and the two main ones that i've used that i really like and i'll meant but they are different one is called feed on feeds and i think that's i might be mistaken but i think that's a perl script i believe it might be php uh, but uses a mysql backend to store all the feed information so feed on feeds is one and R news is another and i've installed both of these and i really like them both um they're Feed on feeds is nice because of the database backend, which I, I think is pretty good. It's, um, it's got a lot of, you know, nice configuration features. It's a little bit, um, it's much plainer to look at. Um, uh, but I actually kind of like the plain look. Uh, if you've seen my own personal website, <laughs> you'll know what I mean. It's a pretty, uh, ugly looking, plain looking site. Um, but I like feed on feeds. It's, it's pretty cool stuff. Um, R news is nice. It's a little bit prettier looking. It's, um, it's got some nice built in functionality like automatic SSL support. Um, it can automatically, um, do the synchronization with feed on feeds. You've got to set a cron job, not a big deal, but still you got to do it. And you've got to actually manually set your web server to do SSL connections for feed on feeds if that's what you want. But of the two, I found feed on feeds better because it just seems faster. It, uh, it, I had a couple bugs I encountered with R news with different feeds that wouldn't display correctly and wouldn't update the feeds. Right. Um, but it looks really nice and it, you know, they're both, um, pretty quick and, uh, they work great. So it's kind of cool. If you want, if you have a server that you can access from the web, you can uh, sort of create your own web-based, uh, service and not worry about any of those other services like Google reader or blog lines or anything like that. So, Anyway, that's just my little discussion about feed readers and uh, some of the things I've been playing with over the last several months. And, uh, you know, it's obviously a lot of this is very subjective and everybody's got different preferences. I've always historically used standalone RSS readers, but I'm liking the Google reader. Uh, but for me, although I still tend to like standalone clients, I mean, I, even though like with my email, I tend to use Gmail for a lot of my stuff. I still have standalone clients that I like. I still use Mutt fairly frequently and I still like my IMAP server rather than Gmail. So I'm just kind of a standalone client type of person. And uh, so I hope you enjoyed that. Now let's check out some listener feedback. Okay. First one here is from Ian and Ian says, a great episodes. I'm way behind at episode 23, but have all the rest downloaded ready to listen to. I was just wondering which packages you use for the Linux forums. I was looking on howtoforge.com. I came across a couple of all-in-one mail server packages and was wondering if you could make a recommendation. From Ian, um, he's a Canadian in the USA. Well, Ian, let's say, first of all, as far as the Linux forums goes, I'm using the Simple Machines forum software. It's free as in no cost. Uh, unfortunately the license is not a free license, but it is free as in no cost. So it's, it's a fairly common, uh, forum software. A lot of people use, you know, PHP, BB, and there's lots of different ones. I mean, there's some commercial ones like Envision and, and, uh, stuff like that, but I really like simple machines. It's very light and very small compared to some of the others. 
and they say that they they really focus on the security of the form, but who knows? But I, that's what I've been using. And as far as how to forge and mail server packages, and I'm not quite sure if you mean the actual server software. If so, you may want to go back and listen to the mail server episode. Actually, I guess you're at episode 23. So once you get up there uh, to the mail server episode, you'll hear me talk about some of those packages. Um, I use, uh, I, or I have used uh, Debian, uh, you know, for the for the main distribution, and then I really like Dovecot as an IMAP server and Postfix, uh, and also um, I either use uh, GetMail or ProcMail as far as uh, fetching and filtering. So, uh, but there's a lot of great tutorials on HowToForge.com. There's some really good Debian ones and Ubuntu ones, and and uh, some CentOS ones as well. So that's a great site, HowToForge.com. Uh, email here is from Bill. Just a quick one. He says, thanks for the discount code at O'Reilly Books. Got Ubuntu for non-geeks in hopes I can speed my conversion. So great, Bill. Thanks for some letting me know and I uh, hope you enjoy that book. Hope it, I hope it does help speed your conversion. Here's an email from Paul. Uh, Paul says, I'm listening to number 37 SSH and want to ask if, if you have some why of uh, why to try out SSH. I do not have a server, just my one home system I use here. And was wondering if you might know of something I can connect to try out all the different SSH commands. I just ask for practice to try to familiarize myself with its capabilities. Also, do you know of some guide for setting up public and private keys? It's something I've never been concerned about trying, but I guess I really should. Well, Paul, as far as setting up keys, if you look in the show notes for that episode, there's a link to some additional notes. It's a text file that talks all about setting up public and private keys. Uh, so I would just uh, find the episode 37 uh, on the main Linux Reality website. Look in the text there for the link to the extra or the additional show notes. It's a text file with that information. As far as um, using SSH, yeah, I mean, generally SSH is used to log into other machines remotely. So if you only have one machine, there's really no need for SSH. But if you want to practice and you don't have a second machine, what I would recommend is checking out one of the uh, public Unix uh, servers. There's lots of them out there. One that comes to mind, I have an account on SPF. I think that's right. Let me um, let me double check that. And uh, oh, Sorry, it's not SPF. That's the uh, uh, MX record thing. It's S, uh, SDF. It's the, uh, the, basically, there are public access Unix systems out there, and there's lots of them out there where you can get a free shell account. And uh, they usually have, you know, they're very limited accounts and they're usually in a, you know, in a change root jail. So you can't obviously hack the server and stuff and you can't, there's a lot of things you can't do with it. And if they, ha you know, if you make a small donation, you might have some increased um, capabilities for your account. But um, I really, these things are great. Here's, let's see, sdf.lonestar.org. Um, that is one uh, that is is out there. SDF Super Dimension Fortress is the name of the uh, of the free Unix account, and there's lots of them out there, and they all tend to run. A lot of them run some kind of BSD. Um, but so if you get an account at one of these at one of these free shell Unix account servers, you can then use SSH. I mean, that's how you would log in. That's the only way to log in. So you'd use SSH, and you can practice that way. So I uh, hope that helps. And let's see, last email for this week is from Jason. Jason says, hello, I'm a Linux newbie and I'm building a Samba file server on an Ubuntu desktop that will use software RAID 1. I would love to hear you talk about RAID and easy ways to set up, manage, monitor the RAID. 
Well, Jason, it's been a while since I've done software raid. I have a, my home server has a hardware raid card, so I use that. Um, but I have, I've done some software raid in the past, so, but that's a good idea for an episode. So that might be something I need to take a look at again so I can talk about here in the future. So, uh, thank you for that recommendation. And I think with that, I think it's going to do it. Time to wrap it up for this week. everybody whoops sorry about that lost the music there for a sec all right so uh, let's see hope you enjoyed that little discussion about rss readers and uh, some of the information i told you about um Linux fest if you're going uh please you know hopefully we should be able to catch up i'm sure it's it's not a huge conference so i think everybody will be able to find everyone uh, i will definitely be at the at the event on friday at barley's with the linux link tech show guys and uh i think uh is it drew curtis from fark.com i think he's going to be there uh, this is going to be a bunch of people, so that should be a lot of fun. And uh, as I mentioned, we've got the GPG key signing party Saturday, and uh, then I've got my little interview sometime Saturday afternoon. I'm going to be off next week, but I hope to be back the week after, which would be the week after Ohio Linux Fest, but I'm not going to promise you that either because it just kind of depends on what I've gotten, you know, what I've been able to put together during that week. Uh, so I might be off two weeks, um, and I may be back, you know, two weeks from now. So we'll have to see. Just keep tabs on the website and uh, still be hanging out in the forums and be checking out uh, checking around so feel free to track me down that way all right hope you all have a great week actually week and a half or so and i'll catch you all next time this has been episode 78 of linux reality see you later bye-bye